imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty, starving to eat Palms are sweaty, heart starting to beat About to get beheaded cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA by giving us vaccines These elite Satanists are the psychoists They preparing our bodies to accept the microchip Can you imagine walking into a Wells Fargo Not being able to withdraw money because you ain't got a barcode your right hand or your forehead if you don't take the mark of the beast you're gonna fall to the floor dead head cut off bodies squirming our own government acting like nazi germans they want us to live in fear filled with uncertainty one world government under one currency i can categorically say that this is end times this virus is breaking us down just like an enzyme there's pedophiles leaving men and women childrenless these politicians are dummies and the devil's a ventriloquist Stemming from Epstein's Island Gavin Newsom ain't your governor He's a tyrant He took away everything That makes us happy and vibrant And put a mask on us To keep us silent Can you imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty Starving to eat Palms are sweaty Heart starting to beat About to get beheaded Cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA By giving us vaccines These elite Satanists Are the psychoists to accept the microchip. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Josh and Jason Monday Christian and Conspiracy Podcast Show. I am your host, Josh Monday. If you don't know me, I'm a Christian rapper, devoted husband father, and army veteran. And I'd like to introduce you to my co-host. He's a Christian, devoted husband, and father. What's going on, Jason? Uh, good afternoon. What's going on? Uh, actually, this is going to be a nighttime session with uh, with, a, with, a, with a past guest that we had on before. Uh, a good pro- a prophetic message that we're going to go out there with. And uh, I really appreciate the fact that Dave has... Uh, it's taken time to do this, and, and thanks for sending that uh, thing over earlier, Josh, too. Uh, for sure. Outline, I read some of it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, guys, we're going to have a returning guest. Uh, he was on for the seven-year tribulation Jesuit deception, uh, and we got great reviews from people. They, they love the show. So, Dave Gardner, how you doing, brother? Hi, guys. I'll uh, share my screen with my whiteboard here. So uh, I'll just kind of be on the edge. Won't be front and center like your guys's camera. But how are you guys doing? <laughs> All right, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're ready for the show, man. Uh, learned some good stuff this week. So let's let's get it on. I'm I'm looking to learn some new stuff from you. So guys, we're gonna go over uh, Gog and Magog uh, war. Um, we're probably gonna go a little bit into the Armageddon as well, and and then some Gog and Magog. I believe uh, is 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 what I is what we're gonna go over and. Uh, there's a few different scenarios here that I think he's going to go into. And uh, I have some stuff. Jason has some stuff. So we'll just mix it up and have a good show. Let's do this. The, the floor is yours, Dave. All right. Thank you. So I'll kind of pick up where I left off uh, last time with the seven-year tribulation, um, how it, it all pins on an interpretation of Daniel 927. Um, the dispensational viewpoint is also going to have other, it's going to share other viewpoints like uh, premillennialism and uh, who who Israel is and where we're looking. We hear today, uh, as far as prophecy, that Israel 
over there in the Middle East is God's prophetic time clock, and Jerusalem is the minute hand, and the Temple Mount is the second hand. So all eyes are on Israel, and Gog Magog war uh, can can blow off at any moment. So that's what we're that's what we're taught out of out of dispensationalism. So what I'd like to offer tonight is an alternative viewpoint, but uh, based on Scripture. So uh, one of the major components of dispensationalism. Uh, is the differential between Israel and the church, uh, that they are separate. So one thing I try to challenge people with, with, with Daniel's 70th week is, is there any other supporting scripture other than Daniel 9.27, where Antichrist confirms a covenant or a peace treaty with anyone, right? So I, I ask that verse. And uh, then I ask them, is there any writings of any Christian commentators before Jesuit Francisco Ribera that claim that Daniel's 70th week was future and unfulfilled. And then the third thing I ask him is in the New Testament, uh, is Israel and the church separate? Give me some scripture showing that they're two separate groups of people that God's working with two people. So that's kind of what I hit people with and uh, dispensationalism. Uh, if, if you dig into the deep writings of C.I. Schofield and the teachers, you may not hear this in the church, but if you dig into their writings, they, they will tell you uh, that Israel and the church are separate. And the big one, the big one about where we're going tonight is the Davidic covenant. And I went through the three covenants last time, and they're pretty important to understand to get a good view of prophecy. You got the Abrahamic, the Moses, and the Davidic covenant. And uh, I, I, I'm going to show you a hermeneutic that uh, we follow what Jesus Christ and the New Testament authors say. So they interpret the promises and the covenants of the Old Testament. So that's the big thing with dispensationalism is they will say the Davidic covenant is not presently fulfilled that it will be fulfilled in a future messianic kingdom that they also call the millennial kingdom. Oh, uh, Dave, I think you might have muted your. Sorry, guys. One moment. Yeah, it's on mute, Dave. Yeah, there we go. Sorry. We were going to roll there. Yeah, it's okay. Sorry about that. So, okay. does the New Testament say the Davidic covenant is fulfilled? Uh, I would say so. In in almost every sermon in the, in the book of Acts, starting with Peter's sermon at Pentecost, where he specifically, that's the context of his sermon in Acts chapter two, is the Davidic covenant is fulfilled in Christ sitting on the throne uh, in heaven, the throne, God's throne. And the proof of it is the, the resurrection, the fulfillment. So uh, with, with that to do, with that background, uh, we'll go into the hermeneutic that I use and when we when we go through this, you'll kind of see uh, it's it's going to be the opposite of of dispensationalism. So up at the top there, I put that. So Dave, you believe that the church and Israel are the same? Um, I I believe what the what the New Testament authors say it is. That's going to be my hermeneutic. Yeah, and then uh, also, guys, if you guys didn't listen to the last show. Uh, we went over, if you guys, you guys should probably listen to the, that show and then come into this show. If you never, if you didn't listen to it yet, that way you can kind of get this whole thing that we're going to, oops, going to get this whole thing that we're about to go over right now. 
The seven-year tribulation Jesuit deception. Because they were explaining it a certain way, and I was like, okay, so I just want to know which one do you believe? Because I believe in the fact that the church and Israel are separate, but I feel like that the ones that are converted to that do believe in Christ and do believe that Christ is their Messiah, those are the ones that are still there's 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 still got to be a separate thing because. I feel that way because they, they haven't changed their, they haven't changed their ways at all. They, they haven't, they have not, they rejected their Messiah. That's why we they do converted to, they haven't converted to Christianity yet. They haven't converted. Yeah, I know, but that's why we have acts yeah, because when they did, when they, when they denied their, uh, when they rejected their Messiah, that's when God would say, okay, then I'm going to go, I'm going to go ahead and get the, the Gentiles saved. And I'm going to make you as jealous. I'm going to make you a jealous person over for the Gentile. But I, I, I understand uh, where you come from, but now, now I want to get into it. So that, I'm good. I just wanted your viewpoint on it. There you go. So thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. So uh, starting off on the, on the top, on the, on the correct hermeneutic, uh, if, you, if you look at Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse uh, 7, it says that uh, he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth, shutteth and no man openeth. Okay, so he's directly quoting uh, right out of Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. And it says, and the key of the house of David, I will lay upon his shoulder and he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open. So that's why I put uh, Jesus Christ is the key. And uh, so uh, Hebrews Chapter one, verse one and two, it says, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the world. So uh, my contention is, according to the New Testament authors, uh, nobody had a clue who, uh, what the Old Testament scriptures truly meant until Jesus Christ came and opened the minds of everybody. So uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15, he says, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech and not as Moses who put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded for until this day, remaineth the same veil untaken away by the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. So in other words, a Jew, when he reads the Old Testament scriptures, like uh, Judaism would do, they can't understand the Old Testament scriptures because they don't have the key of David, which is Christ, to unlock the meaning. And uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to move on to the Pharisees, uh, how, how they viewed the scriptures and what Jesus said to them. Uh, Matthew 21, 42, Jesus saith unto them, the Pharisees, did you ever read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Uh, and then uh, John chapter three, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and verse 9 and 10, he says, uh, Nicodemus answered and said unto them, unto him, how can these things be? 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Talking about being uh, born again in the spirit, John chapter 3. John chapter 5, Jesus says, uh, verse 38 and 40, And ye have not his word abiding in you, for he hath sent him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think you have eternal life, and they are, they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you may have life. Uh, and in Acts chapter 13, verse 27, uh, says, For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voice of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. So I'm going to move to the disciples really quick. Uh, and then and then I'll explain my hermeneutic here. So yeah. Jesus to the disciples, he says, uh, Luke 24, uh, 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself, and their eyes were opened. So in in verse 32, uh, he says he opened the scriptures uh, to them. And uh, in verse 44, he's addressing the uh, disciples in the upper room. And he says, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, thus it is behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you remember Daniel 9.24, remission of sins, uh, reconciliation for iniquity all, all those items are in there that's that's the gospel so uh the pharisees didn't get it the disciples didn't get it even after the resurrection of christ they still didn't get it right and they didn't fear it finally descended upon them indwelt them and then peter breaks out in Acts chapter two he, he's finally gone right not going to go through all these but i have up on the board quite a few scriptures the pharisees didn't get it the disciples didn't get it the prophets and the angels peter says uh they didn't even know what they were prophesying about the angels were looking on uh in how these things would be fulfilled okay so in other words nobody can go to the old testament take a literal interpretation of it a human interpretation of it and, and tell you what the fulfillment is. So Jesus Christ is the one, he came and fulfilled it, and he opened the eyes of everybody to what the scriptures truly mean. So my hermeneutic that I go by is the New Testament defines the Old Testament promises, okay? And that's gonna be very different from dispensationalism because dispensationalism will say, I want a literal fulfillment of this promise in the old Testament. And since it didn't happen yet, it must be future. So, but all the covenants were fulfilled in Christ. Paul says it multiple times. He says it in Romans 15, eight, 
that Jesus came to confirm the promises to the fathers. And he says it in 2 Corinthians 1.20. He says all the promises are yes in Christ. So that's the hermeneutic I, I use. Now, when you move to the New Testament, my second thing here is terms. In the Old Testament, you have the physical type and what the writer of Hebrews and Paul says in Colossians is it's a shadow. So the old covenant is a shadow of former things and the new covenant is on better promises and better fulfillment. So the new covenant is spiritual fulfillment through Christ of the Old Testament type. So the two terms that I want to define for this discussion before we can dive into God is who is the Israel of God in the New Testament? Not the Old Testament, the New Testament. And what is the Jerusalem of God in the New Testament, right? So those are the two important ones I want to go through next. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures I have listed there. I'm just going to check uh, a few here. Okay. Uh, so in Matthew, Jesus is giving uh, the you know, the indictment out on the Pharisees here. And in Matthew 21, 30, uh, let's see, 38 through 45, he says, therefore, I, unto you, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. So he's, and he's addressing the Pharisees. So the kingdom of God, shall be taken from you and given to a nation bearing forth the fruits thereof. Well, who is this new nation? Peter tells us, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, but you, and he's talking to the church in Jerusalem and, and to any believer, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. I'm going to skip down. Which in time past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which hath not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Okay, Galatians uh, 6, 15 through 16. And you'll see this pattern over and over and over in the New Testament. It will be Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile, all one in Christ. So Galatians 6, 15 and 16. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, Jewish, availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, Gentile, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Uh, Romans 2, 28 and 29, for all the literalists out there, uh, please take the words of Paul literally. Romans 2, 28 and 29, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So Paul is saying a true Jew is a Jew in the new covenant, because circumcised in the heart by the spirit is the marker of the new covenant. So Paul is saying a Jew is only a Jew in the new covenant. So uh, Romans 9, 6 through 8. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. What? Neither are they the seed of Abraham, are they the all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So he's talking about the election here. That is, 
which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. So this is, this is going to be the New Testament theme is the people of the promise or the people of faith. And this is going to happen over and over and over. Uh, the biggest scripture to me regarding this subject that we're on right now is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. And uh, th this is a tough one because in here about a half a dozen times, Paul's going to say Jew and Gentile are one because of Christ, because of the work of that Christ did at the cross. Yes, Jew and Gentile are one in the church, in the body of Christ. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's one way to look at it. Or we can just look at it as Jew and Gentile. Or, You're not baptized by water or by works. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit. If you live in the law, you will be cursed. You'll 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 be cursed through by the law. You'll have to live by those curses. There's no way to uphold the law, and the Pharisees were the ones who were trying to do that, and they got condemned. They got they got they're, they're getting the worst of it because it's it's kind of they're dragging people to hell with them so they're going to hell already and they're trying to take people with them and that's what was, was was really making god like jesus mad because he's like look you guys are trying to live by this and i'm gonna he's he he has fulfilled so many prophecies from the old testament to the new but there's still some prophecies that are still left un, un unfulfilled i feel like there still are because in history the jews weren't a nation until 1948 and they weren't a nation before that for 2000 years you know what i mean so yeah we're like where we're gonna go with this is going to be is it going to be uh he'll he'll lead us into it but dave uh so what you're saying now is the people that are jewish in israel right now are not uh reading the bible like with the new testament as well they're like still in that old testament mindset well, where they're not using anything that jesus is teaching. Isn't even sold in israel they don't have it you can't even get it in israel they, you like there's people that want it out there and trying to like learn more and you can't it's kind of like a how do you maybe a communist type of state because they said that they don't even they don't even read that they don't even have the new testament out there it's not it's not pushed out there because they don't believe in it so that's what i'm saying there's still jews out there that that aren't part of the body of christ because they and god still wants them to turn but when he does, when Jesus comes back and everybody looks up and, and every eye will see, then they'll be like, oh man, now we know we did messed up because the, because in the, in the Bible, it's numerous times, the Jew always never gets it the first time. He always gets it the second time. They always got it the second time around. They never got it the first time. They always had to learn their lesson first and they finally got it and they rejected their Messiah. Now you're, you're, you're in, like you say, dispensationalism. I think that once that happened, to that, that's when that's when God wants to, the the Gentile has not been fulfilled. The 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 time of the Gentiles have not been fulfilled. I feel like because we're we're still getting, we're still trying to trying to be because the judgment hasn't came yet. Because it's getting pretty defiled out there right now. And 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 believe me, if you don't want to pray for His judgment, you want to pray for His grace. Please, Lord, give me. Every day, get me out of this. I don't want to. I don't want to have to face these end times, and that's why when we go through this as a Christian that believes in Jesus, I don't have to worry about these prophecies because these are for, these aren't for me. I'll, I'll, I will be 
in the rapture. So this stuff is not going to even be for me, but I like to talk about it. But as a Christian, this stuff has nothing. To, I have, I don't have to worry about the prophecy. That's all. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead, Dave. Keep going. Cause I, we're, yeah. So that, that's all based on the seven year tribulation, which I, which I don't believe. So I'm going to, I'm going to be going in a different direction uh, than you, you, Jason. And and I did have your viewpoint for a good portion of my life. So Ephesians 2, 11 through 19, and this is the last one I'm going to read, uh, almost the last one I'm going to read about Israel, and then I'm going to move on to Jerusalem, and then we can move into Gog Magog. Uh, Ephesians 2, 11 through 19, wherefore remember that you, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both Jew and Gentile one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, two men, one new man. So Jew and Gentile, one new man. So making peace that he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And come and preach peace to you that were far off, Gentile, and to them that were nigh, Jew. For through him we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of god so uh so that, that's jew and gentile made one new man uh, in christ yeah the dispensational viewpoint would say within the church but not outside the church uh, i don't see the designation there uh, galatians 3 6 even as abraham believed god it was accounted for him for righteousness know ye therefore they which are of faith these are the same as the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So Paul says, That's the gospel. The Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled in the gospel. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Uh, verse 16, Galatians 3 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith, and not to seeds as of many, but one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Paul says, all the promises to Abraham, they go through Christ. And in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay. Well, All right. So that, that's Israel. Quote a lot of Paul, and he's speaking to the Gentiles. He's telling the Gentile, hey, this is, you are now part of the body, uh, uh, the same as the Jew. You're going to now get the same promises of the Jew. But now you have to, but you have to believe in the, in the gospel, which is, you know, Jesus died, uh, uh, resurrected, it was buried three days and he resurrected, but he died for your sins as well. So that was also being, being, being preached before that. It was just, he died or he, 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 uh, 
he was going to come and and, uh, and and be the Messiah for the for the Jews, and that that was that was it. But they rejected him. He came unto his own, and he was not, and he was rejected by his own. The Pharisees, like you said, that, that he was rejected. So these, I feel like you 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 quoting a lot of Paul, and I love it. I love the, the I love Paul. Paul's one of the greatest. He's like the he's like a Navy SEAL of 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 the of the Bible. He wrote a lot of the, a lot of uh, great great books. But I feel like he is speaking to the Gentile. That's why I feel like that. Yeah. Come I think, up okay, so, so Dave, what? So Dave, when they say Israel in the Bible, you're 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 just mean, you're meaning more the the meaning of like God's chosen people than an actual state, right? Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't, I don't mean it. Paul says it. So he says all the promises to Abraham go through one, which is Christ. So Jesus is the only way, whether Jew or Gentile, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way to get into the Israel of God. So okay. that's going to be my definition of the Israel of God, according to Peter, Jesus, and Paul in, I can't even count how many places. Okay. Uh, but moving on to the Jerusalem of God, people think that it's the Jerusalem over there. And my viewpoint is going to be that Israel and Jerusalem that now are in the Middle East are nothing but a counterfeit to go along with counterfeit doctrine that is very relatively new on the timeline. Uh, dispensationalism just came into our country in the, in the early 20th century, uh, got started in Europe in the early 19th century with the Plymouth Brethren. So it's very new on the timeline. Uh, my viewpoint here is basically the church's viewpoint for 1900 years that the church is Jew and Gentile. It is the remnant of Jacob and the preserved of Israel, plus those who are far away, Gentile, brought together. So it's not replacement theology, it's expansion theology. Salvation is for all the Jews who believe and for everybody else in the rest of the world that believes. Yeah. So the Jerusalem of God is another big uh, deception, because if you do a research on Jerusalem in the New Testament, you'll find some uh, pretty surprising things about a new Jerusalem. Uh, Galatians 4, 24 through 26, which things are an allegory, for these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which generates bondage, which stands for Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is... Uh, obviously, the New Testament was written before the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, at least uh, everything but uh, Revelation and John, possibly, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is mother of us all. Uh, Hebrews 11, 8 through 10, 13 through 16. Uh, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out, into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went by faith he sojourned to a land of promise and in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob the heirs of him of the same promise for he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God for these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And now they desire a better country that is a heavenly where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And what city is this? In the next chapter, we find out. Hebrews 12, 
21 through 22, but you have come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable, innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Uh, Hebrews 13, chapter 13, verse 14 says, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Then when you go to the book of Revelation and you do a search of Jerusalem, I think I mentioned this in the last video, you find Jerusalem three times in the book of Revelation. That's it. It's uh, Revelation 3.12. says, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. And then Revelation 21.2 and 10 say, and I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So for my hermeneutic here, I go with the definitions which Jesus and Paul give. Uh, Israel as defined, Israel of God in the New Testament from that point, from Christ forward, is Jew and Gentile in Christ. And Jerusalem of God is New Jerusalem, which is the church. So both, both of those terms are simultaneously basically mean the same thing. It's Jew and Gentile in Christ. There's a New Jerusalem in heaven. There's also a New Jerusalem here on earth in the true church. So, so that's my hermeneutic on that. And I think it'll make sense when we hit uh, Gog here. Now, who is, who is Gog? Uh, now, in Ezekiel 38, 17, uh, let me get that one really quick. It uh, will surprise you because everybody says, well, it's Russia. It's, you know, whatever. They got all these different theories, right? Yeah. But we only... I think a lot of people think Magog is Russia, and then Gog is like a, uh, some people say it's like a spiritual uh, entity, you know, that's, that's what I've heard. That's some of the stuff that I've heard, like Gog is like a spiritual entity that's like a like yeah. an evil king or something. It'd be like the, the demon that's backing sure. the evil king, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I would take because uh, Magog, uh, now in Revelation, it doesn't make the distinction, but in Ezekiel, it says Gog from the land of Magog. And if you look back yeah. to the table of nations in Genesis, Magog comes out of the line of Japheth, I think. And yeah. it's and it's up in Russia, modern uh, what is now modern day Russia. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you, based on Ezekiel thirty eight seventeen. It says, "Thus saith the Lord God, Art thou He talking about Gog here? Art thou He of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years I would bring thee against them." Well, the tough part is. We look through the prophets and we, we can find no Gog anywhere. He's only in Ezekiel 38, 39 and Revelation chapter 20. But here Ezekiel saying he's mentioned by the prophets. So I, I do believe he's some sort of a, a demonic prince, kind of like the prince of Persia. And, and he's going forth and gathering the people uh, out of the land of Magog. Now, some people will correlate uh, the Ashkenaz, Khazars, come from that region and, and so on and for, so forth. I don't really 
that's not part of my discussion today. But uh, I, had that, a, uh, I had like an interesting take on it. Like, in the, and no offense to anybody that's uh, Islamic or anything, but um, this story is in there. Same, I mean, same yeah, story. Yeah. Thing. What I what I was thinking is like Gog. If it's like. Uh, I think maybe like a deceiving spirit of, of, of the, of, I'm not, I'm sorry if, the, if you're Muslim, I don't mean to offend you, but I think that, you know, you're deceived because you're not believing that Jesus is the Messiah, but maybe it's that deceiving spirit because uh, Iran and Russia, if it is that, which I don't know which, what your take is on it, Dave, but if it is Iran and Russia, Russia starting to get like a pretty big m- Muslim uh, population. And so is Iran. And if those two were to come together and be the ones that do attack, which the way I keep reading it is it's like Israel, you know, so Magog would be Russia and attacking Israel. I got to find out your take on it. So guys, all right. Everything. I all right, well, I'm going to blow, I'm going to blow your guys' minds because it's not going to be anything to do with modern day Israel at all. I think that's yeah. part of the great deception of the end times. And, and I'll tell you why. Right, so good. if we go back that's to revelation, different, different perception, if we go back right. to revelation and we look at uh, revelation chapter 20, Okay, and I obviously this is the most uh, hotly debated chapter in the in the whole Bible, obviously. Okay, real quick before we go that can we can we just uh, I just want to tell you guys Revelation 19 guys is the battle of Armageddon. Okay, so uh, did you were you going to talk about that at all or or just only stick with? Yes. Yes. Okay. So go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I view Revelation in layers, not in chronological order. So. I view Revelation chapter 16 when you see the three uh, evil spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the the dragon, the the beast, and the false prophet and come forth and gather the nations together for the battle of Armageddon. Uh, You see that play out in in multiple different areas. So 16, 18, and and 20 I view as as parallel and maybe 19 just a tiny bit after. I don't know the time frame on that. But Ezekiel chapter 39... You think Armageddon is after, that? Um, so you think Armageddon's after uh, Revelation twenty? You think Revelation well, is after? Yeah. Well, let me get through exposing all this. But the battle of Armageddon, I don't view as a physical battle in Israel. I view it as a spiritual battle of exactly what it says in Revelation chapter sixteen. So these three evil spirits come out and deceive the nations of the world to bring them together to for the great day battle of God Almighty, right? So, and you see uh, in Revelation chapter 16, I'll, I'll, I'll go there really quick uh, okay. because it does parallel our conversation here. Yeah. So, and, and I'm sorry if I don't want to bring you off of what you're, I'm sorry if I'm bringing you off of the way you're trying to go too. I apologize. I know it is to have notes and then someone's asking you different questions, but go ahead, man. I'll give you the floor. I'm sorry, man. I'm just trying no, to. No, this, this is all good because it, I have, I have Revelation 16 right up there on the board as parallel with Revelation chapter 20. Okay. So, okay. and here you have, yeah, here you have everybody gathering between the sixth and the seventh bull judgment for the, for the battle of Armageddon. And you will see that in, in verse, uh, verse 18, you have, you have uh, this massive earthquake, which I don't view as a uh, it's apocalyptic book. This is symbolism. So I view the earthquake as a massive upheaval, great upheaval. And it says the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell. So this is your global government system, right? 
And the great city that's divided into three parts, I view that as the Vatican, the city of London, and Washington, D.C., the three head, heads of the current beast right now. That's so, and every island fled away. Yeah, every island fled away and the mountains were not found. If you're, if you're waiting for the literal prophecy to come true, the mountains are not going to disappear here. The mountains are leadership of the world. The islands are sovereign nations. And so 16 and 7, uh, 18, 19, and 20 is a new world order. And that, this is where I view us currently on the timeline. We're just waiting for verse 21 to happen, which is the return of Christ. You, you will see uh, multiple places, uh, and I got it up here, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, Matthew 13 through 40, 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, you see the return of Christ and the judgment all being around fire. He comes in flaming fire to, to, to bring vengeance upon those who rejected the gospel and persecuted the saints in, in 2 Thessalonians. So those are all parallel. So what we do with the book of Revelation, uh, I view the, the hermeneutic that I use is the new, the new Testament defines the Old Testament, okay? So Jesus Christ and the apostles, they define what the covenants and the promises mean. I, I view the book of Revelation, I get my doctrine of the second coming of Christ from the gospels in the epistles. So I get the doctrine where it's clear, right, in the epistles and the gospels. Then I take the doctrine and I put it onto the book of Revelation. I don't do it in the reverse order, which is kind of what we've, we've been taught to do everything backwards. And the reason we've been taught that is so we don't see the deception here at the end day that the battle of Armageddon is against the Laodicean church. Behold, they come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. It's not going to be over in modern Israel. Uh, if we we will continue here. So we'll go back to Revelation chapter 20 and uh, we're going to go to verse seven. I'm going to skip the, the first part. I mean, it, it would take me hours just to go through the first part of Satan being bound, the reign of Christ and all that stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to be up front here. I take the amillennial viewpoint on the thousand years. I view Satan as being bound at the cross at the beginning of the church age and the gospel going out to the nations. And he is restrained from deceiving the nations. At some point, he's let loose. And that's where I want to pick it up here. Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, because I view this as part of the modern conspiracy. And when the thousand years were expired satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth gog and magog to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea and they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about the beloved city and fire came down from god out of heaven and devoured them okay now what is this city well we're told right there in the next chapter what that city is it is new jerusalem and we just covered those in revelation chapter 21 verse 2 and verse 10 it's mm -hmm. new jerusalem the camp of the saints and so people try to say well what's mystery babylon is it washington dc is it rome or whatever and you can see down at the bottom of my whiteboard here i just kind of made it simple in the book of revelation you have mystery babylon versus new jerusalem you have the harlot and the whore versus the bride of Christ, tares in the wheat, foolish virgins, wise virgins, goats, sheep, you know, mark of the beast versus the seal of the Holy Spirit, 
foolish man and the wise man. Uh, if I said, hey, can you point to New Jerusalem on a map? Well, you couldn't do it because it's people of all languages, of all tongues spread out around the world. It's the, it's the church, the true church. Well, Mystery Babylon, I view as the same. It's just the city of man. You have the city of man versus the city of God. So Mystery Babylon, you know, there's a lot of heads to it. Obviously, the RCC is probably the mother of all harlots and the Jesuit order has pretty much built the current world that we live in through secret societies and deception and great signs and lying wonders. And uh, you cover a lot of those great signs and lying wonders in your other shows. <laughs> so I won't yeah. continue on that. So I view can, Revelation. Can you say what the RCC? Uh, can you? Can oh, you Roman Catholic Church. Roman Catholic okay, Church. There we go. That way people, because people might not know what RCC means. So sure. Sure. So <laughs> we know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so sure. I view this Revelation chapter 20 uh, battle of Gog as coming against the people of God, the saints of God. And so you can't have a war that's uh, in one geographic location because the, the camp of the saints are spread out throughout the whole entire world. So, and what do we have to counter that? Well, a total global order. And I, I view the Battle of Armageddon has, has been going on for uh, quite some time now against the people of God and Christianity, uh, probably a hundred years or so. so. So you already believe that, that Satan's already been bound for a thousand years already? I think he was bound at the beginning of the church age. Which was? for a certain time and then i think he was released and i think he was released around the time of adam weistop and and rothschild because from that point you have the modern conspiracy kicking off with the french revolution and then the overthrow of all governments and monarchies and uh, religious establishments in the world so, so that's that when he was released to deceive the nations Correct. Yes. That's when I think he was released to deceive the nations. Wow. So if we parallel this with, uh, yeah, you gotta, Ezekiel, definitely, you definitely gotta let the people know that. Cause that, that's a, that's an interesting uh, take on it. And, and he, said that, he said that earlier. He said, oh, okay. It makes sense though, the way he just explained it right now to me. Sorry. I, I'm trying to follow. It's a lot of stuff to gather. So yeah. Well, yeah. Good. I'm going to, he's got good I'm going to make some, yeah, I'm going to make some point. more sense of it now right here. So I'm going to, we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 38 here, and we're going to see some uh, very similar descriptions as we saw in Revelation chapter 20. Now in Revelation chapter 20, we're not given as much information. Okay. But what I want to go to is a uh, verse. I'm going to skip all the, all the different uh, nations there and everything, because I don't think it's, I don't think it's that important. And I'm just gonna, up here. It's not just like bubblegum beginner Bible stuff. This isn't like you just you just jump in like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna get this now. This is like yeah. you gotta study your word. You gotta know your word. You gotta know the. You gotta know some languages. Certain where, where the words in the Bible are. And 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 Dave Dave is breaking it down to where like I could actually see where he's coming from. Because when when you did say right when you said that earlier about uh, same being bound at the cross. I was, I, was thinking, I was like, okay, I started playing with it in my mind. That's why I was so quiet for so long. I was like, okay, well, I could, I could wrap my head around that because Jesus fulfilled all of the promises. And if he already did that, then 
I, I, but it's, 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 it's kind of confusing, but you gotta, you just know that you have to read the word. Our listeners, you need to read the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I pray, say, Holy Spirit, please let me yeah. do this stuff to what I can understand it. Because it, yeah. it, these scriptures he's going through are, are, are not really ones that you just go diving into thinking like you're, you know what you're talking about. This is some good stuff. And, and Dave, Dave's backing it up. He's not, I like, I like the way he's going. I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with him. I can't argue with it. Yeah. All right. Good. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, when you read John chapter 12, John chapter 16, it says the prince of this world has already been judged. The prince of this world has already been cast out. And so I have a whole sheet of verses on Satan's binding. We can do another uh, uh, episode on that in the future if you guys want to do one on that. That's a good one. The kingdom of God and the binding of Satan. But back to Ezekiel 38. I want to I want to zone into verse six and verse nine. It says Gomer and all his bands and the house of Tagarma and of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with thee, right? And you remember back in Revelation chapter 20, it, it was Gog and Magog assembling the entire world, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Dropping down to uh, Ezekiel verse nine, 38 verse nine, and thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and with many people with thee. So there are some... Uh, terms that I want to zone into on Ezekiel 38, which is why I don't think it's modern day Israel, never could be modern day Israel. And the three terms are gathered from the nations, dwell safely and at rest. Okay. And you'll find that these are all new covenant promises. And so when you read Ezekiel 38 and you see them, and at verse eight, and after many days, thou shalt be visited in the latter years, right? We're in the latter years. Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which they have always been waste. And it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Okay. And then verse 11, and thou shalt say, Gog, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. Does that sound like modern day Israel? Does that sound like any nation at any time on the timeline? You know, I don't think so. So, and he repeats several of these things, the gathered out of nations again in verse 12 and uh, the dwelling safely, he repeats a couple times and the at rest. So I want to zone in to gathering out of the nations, dwelling safely and at rest. And I got all the scriptures down here. I'm not, obviously, we don't have time to go through them. But I want to go to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, for dwelling safely. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Obviously, this is Jesus Christ. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And his name, whereby he shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. And in Jeremiah 33, 15, we get something similar, but instead of Israel, it says Jerusalem. In those days, at that time, I will cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherein 
she shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Uh, Zechariah 14:11, and men shall dwell in it, and there shall be no more utter destruction, but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. So you have these, these, these promises that in the days of Christ, Israel will dwell safely, right? So if you go to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, he says, uh, and in that day, thou shall be a root of Jesse, which shall be an ensign of the people, and it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Okay, so obviously, we're again, we're talking about Jesus Christ here. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, a famous piece of scripture most people know. Come unto me, Jesus speaking, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verse 11, all the way to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, it talks about entering into God's rest. And I'll give you a couple of them. In whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they should not enter because of unbelief. So when you get to the book of Hebrews, it has to do with belief and unbelief. So you enter into the rest of God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, I'll read here, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works are finished from the foundation of the world. There remaineth therefore a rest of the people of God, for he that has entered into his rest hath also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So I look at dwelling safely, which is mentioned multiple times in Ezekiel 38, and this, this is Israel at rest. So this is, if you follow my hermeneutic, the Israel of God is the church, all those in Christ. The true Israel is Jesus Christ and all those in him. Uh, gathered out of the nations, if you go right back to Isaiah chapter 11, where I was reading in verse 10 about entering the rest of the root of Jesse, in verse 11, it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand against the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hannah, and to the islands. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations. That's Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. And shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So the difference between the dispensational viewpoint of Jesus returning and then having a mass conversion, uh, my version is uh, the gospel has been going out and converting people for 2,000 years, and that's the mechanism that brings people back to God. So and in Isaiah chapter 49, it's, it's crystal clear to me. Uh, verse 1, listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from far, right? That would be Gentile. 
The Lord hath called me from the womb and the bowels of my mother. He hath made mention of my name, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Obviously, we know this is Jesus Christ. In the shadow of his hand, he hath hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he hath hid me. And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Okay, so right here, Jesus Christ is being called Israel. In other places, you can see other prophecies, I think like Ezekiel chapter 34, 36, where he's actually called David. But here, Israel is Christ. And then I said, I have labored in vain and have spent my strength for naught and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now, saith the Lord, that formed me out of the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob again to him, though Israel not be gathered, yet I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and that God shall be my strength. And he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. And I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation to the end of the earth. Dropping down to verse eight. And in the day of salvation, I have helped thee and I will preserve thee and give thee Christ for a covenant to the people to establish the earth, the whole earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. So if you go back to Ezekiel 38, it says now dwelling in the desolate, formerly desolate places. This is spiritually. So spiritually, the nations of the world were dead at the temptation of Christ. We see that when the devil offered Jesus the kingdoms of the world because he owned the kingdoms of the world. Only Israel had the oracles of God. And then the gospel all power in heaven and earth is given to me. Now go out and make disciples of all men. Go out and pillage the former kingdoms of the devil. The inheritance of the son is very important to understand in scripture. Uh, Psalm, I won't go through them all because we don't have time. But Psalm chapter 2 says, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Ask me and I will give thee the heathen or nations for thine inheritance and the uttermost ends of the earth for thy possession. If you go to Acts 1.8, Jesus is speaking to the disciples at the at right before he ascends, and he says, but you shall receive power, and after that the Holy Ghost has come on you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and to the uttermost end of the earth, exactly what is quoted right there in Psalm chapter 2. So Jesus saying in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. You know, you can either believe what's claimed there or or not. So Another viewpoint that I'm going to differ with dispensationalists is I view the Davidic covenant fulfilled. I view Jesus ruling on his throne, on the throne of David, which is in heaven, says Peter in Acts chapter 2. So the dispensationalists, if you go into their writings, uh, Larkin, Schofield, or whoever, even the modern day guys, they will say, no, David's throne is an earthly throne. So therefore, Israel needs to come back. There needs to be an earthly throne in and so on and so forth. But you can see here, Ezekiel 38, unwalled villages, no bars, no gates, no nothing, dwelling at rest, and, and, and all these new covenant terms. So Ezekiel 38 is not modern day Israel. It is the Israel of God, the church, which resides in the nations of the world. And Gog is coming against the nations of the world and Christianity. So the new world see, Revelation chapter, the whole book of Revelation, it is those who have the testimony of Jesus that, that the dragon is, is going against. And if you look at the New Testament, 
look at the eschatology of, of Peter and Jesus, they're, they're talking new heaven, new earth, the whole earth, the meek shall inherit the earth, right? And Paul yeah. says in Romans 4.13, for the promise that Abraham should be heir of the world. Well, where do I find that in Genesis? I don't find it. So I got to take Paul as the inspired author, as he's saying, that through Christ, the seed of Abraham inherit the whole world. So when you get to the end of Ezekiel chapter uh, 38, I want to point out a couple things here. In, in verse uh, 16 and 23, the purpose of him unleashing Gog is the same purpose in, in Revelation chapter 17, where the ten horns give their kingdom to the beast and rule with him for one hour, because God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will, which is to burn the harlot system up. Okay, and I think this is talking about the same thing. So he says in verse 16, and it shall come against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. And at the end of the verse, he says, and I shall be sanctified in thee, O God, before their eyes. And if you drop down to verse 23, thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And you see, after the burning of the harlot in Revelation chapter 18 and chapter 19, he says, the bride hath now made herself ready. So I view this as the burning down of the system, the burning down of the harlot system. In verse 22, it says, and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and his bands and upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Where do you see the hailstones? Well, back there at the Battle of Armageddon in Revelation chapter 16, verse 21. Mm -hmm. So in the fire, where do you see that? You see that right there in Revelation 20, verse 9. So I view Revelation 29 and the seventh bowl of, of Revelation chapter uh, 16 and Ezekiel 38 is all one and the same thing with the harlot getting burned down in Revelation chapter 18. So that's my take on it now when you go to ezekiel 39 if you want to on your own time do a parallel reading uh you're talking about the great feast of god almighty and the birds coming and eating the flesh of yeah. kings and, and great guys you see that in ezekiel 39 and you see that in revelation chapter 19 and revelation chapter 19 it says the beast and the false prophet were thrown in the lake of fire and the remnant that was with them were slain with the sword from that comes out of the mouth of the rider on the white horse, which is Christ. So it's a remnant in Revelation 19 and Ezekiel 39. It's one sixth of Gog that's left. I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth of thee. Right. Yeah. So you have this initial blast which takes out a whole bunch and then you have a little bit of remnant there to, to clean up at the end so, so for you well that's for my you, view on it so for you you believe that uh the next thing to come is jesus coming back is that your next thing in the timeline for you i view just it's the it's the rapture but yours, yours is i view the judgment of christ coming uh next before he physically returns it seems to me like there's a a big judgment coming down from heaven that's going to slew a whole bunch of people. And why, why do they get, you know, slew? Because thy merchants were the great men of the earth and by their pharmacia deceived the nations of the world. So eventually this fourth industrial revolution transhuman agenda that these global elites are shoving down people's throats 
it, it's it's going to eventually take its toll. Judgment is going to come upon them because they don't believe in a creator. They believe yeah. that they're going to become gods themselves, right? The oldest lie in the in the book. <laughs> yeah. So all the yeah, all the secret yeah. societies, all these guys. If you them. yeah, and if you read Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 25, it is the wicked that are removed, not the righteous. The tares are removed, not the wheat. So mm-hmm. you, you see that over and over and over. Uh, do I now first Thessalonians chapter four, one of the famous the famous rapture passage. I believe that event's going to happen, but I don't believe it is before a seven-year tribulation. I believe that happens at the second coming of Christ. So, so you I believe that's the, so you believe that's one and the same that the, the second coming yeah. of Christ and the rapture is the same exact moment. Well, yeah, there is no rapture phrase in the Bible, but they, you know, First Thessalonians chapter four, we meet the Lord. Those who rem- are alive and remain alive mm-hmm. and remain after what? after some bad stuff (laughs) so we'll be caught up in the air together with him and so we'll be at the lord forever and peter says we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth remade in fire the day of the lord comes like a thief so how ought you ought to act you know so he's not looking for a seven-year tribulation he's not looking for a millennial kingdom so uh that's 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 my viewpoint on it which What's your take on the Antichrist, bro? Like, cause, cause that, where's, what's your take on that? When's your take on the Mark of the Beast and the Antichrist? That's two things. Sure. Well, at the bottom of my chart, I put Mark of the Beast on one side and I put the seal of the Holy Spirit on the other side. Now, Antichrist, we only find that term in John's epistles, right? And he says, right now there's many Antichrists. You get to the book of Revelation chapter 13 and uh, another parallel with Ezekiel 38 is God's coming to take spoil, Right. Well, what do you have in Revelation chapter 13? A mark of the beast system that you got to have it to buy or sell, right? So same same thing. He's coming against the, the people of God. Uh, so, but in Revelation chapter 13, you have a beast with seven heads and 10 horns. So mm-hmm. that's not an individual. And and so I would, I take the historic viewpoint on Revelation being historically fulfilled throughout the timeline and so uh, I, I view it not as an individual, but more of a, an, an office or conglomerate. The only spot in the scripture where we would see an individual would be 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, where it talks about the son of perdition sitting in the temple of God to be worshipped as God. Uh, the historical interpretation on that is that's the Pope, because the temple of God is the church. So he's claiming to be God, the vicar of Christ, right? and holy father in the true church of god but it's yeah. not it's obviously a counterfeit so that's the historical viewpoint on on that guy it will yeah. there be an individual antichrist in the future i don't know it, it's possible but it would be some sort of a, a false false messiah but uh yeah. i think it would be a little trickier than what most people think it is so yeah uh, because most people most people don't even get Israel right, if you want my opinion. So the Israel of the New Testament is all those in Christ, Jew and Gentile. And uh, yeah, I don't, I view modern Israel as being set up by the global elites and by Rothschild himself. Rothschild, yeah, which it was, yeah. 1,000 acres he donated to them. Right. And you'll, and you'll trace back and you'll see Rockefeller giving a lot of money to seminaries. So do I view all pastors that teach dispensationalism agents of, of, 
the devil? No, I don't. I just think they got taught at seminaries that got infiltrated in the early 20th century. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes what happens, I, I, I believe, and I'm not judging anybody because I'm not, obviously, you know, the Bible well, a lot of people know the Bible well, but I think what happens sometimes is they get taught that in seminary school and they never go outside of those bounds. They always keep that same exact thing and they always stick with that. You know, even if you talk about like the firmament, for example, you, you, you call, if you call any pastor in, in the United States and you ask them about the firmament and start asking about the creation of the earth, I, a lot of them are going to have issues trying to talk about that. Cause it, they honestly, there's even a guy on YouTube that calls a bunch of different churches, uh, Dave, and ask them about the firmament and they ask them about the creation and, and, and they haven't, they have a tough time going through it because the way that they are taught is it's just an ice that, you know, it's, it was just ice that melted and caused the flood. Like they don't even know what the firmament is. So it's very interesting, but yeah, I, I agree. They stick with that and they, ne- they never go outside of those bounds and don't study into it enough in some cases, right, right. not judging people, but. No, but yeah. that's what I was trying to say earlier. It doesn't matter what your viewpoint on is on this because you weren't there when it happened. You could study diligently. You, and, and, and when you go to heaven, you know what God's going to say to you? Way to go, faithful and diligent servant. Way, way to kick butt. You, you studied your butt off. You were wrong in this area. You're right. But you still got your salvation right. And what you're doing with yourself, what you do with your salvation once you achieve it is also what you, you got. You don't want to go to heaven empty handed. You want to. And, and, and like, like Dave, this might interest somebody out there and it pulls them into the word and it pulls them in closer to God and it doesn't shove them away. That's, that's what I, this is what uh, I'm all about. And I'm not going to argue with anybody. Uh, like I said, if you want to put a viewpoint on this, I will look at your viewpoint and I will, I, I agree yeah. with a lot of your stuff because you have it all in, all in a timeline and you have it all uh, in, in uh, with Bible scripture and everything in scripture. Like, I understand what you're talking about. Cause I, study the i've been studying yeah, this the- is a this is definitely like a this is like a a different level in bible study because this this is something you're gonna have to know your word pretty good to to the be meat, able to- this is the meat of the bible this isn't the milk this this isn't just like oh love 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 just love yeah that is it that's the point of the gospel but right here is like this is where you study and you and it makes you interested it brings you closer to god it doesn't shove you away from him and it's good yeah so so you believe that, well, let's see, let's see, what else do I have? I got uh... I believe, Well, so I heard Alexander the Great in Timeline has actually defeated Gog and Magog. And, uh, and that's, and, and that's a part of, that's a part of history. If you go through it, he was, he actually, you know, he was, uh, he was going through there and he was ripping through countries because he was one of the best, best, you know, warrior princes there ever was. He was, he was the man. So I heard that he defeated them and bound them. And, and, and now that this is a story, I don't know, this is a story that I've heard that that's all it's just, and I believe that, like you said, these are evil spirits. These are like, like Og, the King of Bushan, the giant King of Bushan. If you, if you, if you uh, read into it, you know, uh, Nephilim type of things and everything that their spirits can't be resurrected. So I believe that these are spiritual, a spiritual battle will happen where you'll have, all just like you said, they'll come in. They'll come and take their uh, what did you say? Their uh, their plun, not their plunder, but their they'll come and their spoils. They'll come and collect their spoils. So I feel like that's I feel like it's going to be a spiritual thing, and these are going to be the spirits of the of the actual you know nephilim that were not that can't be resurrected. That they'll come back and they will they'll all come over and try to defeat Israel, which which I feel like is a physical place, 
And I, I do, I do agree with you on the new Jerusalem. The new, that's all because it's all preached in the word, but I still feel like there's gotta be a physical thing. And, and, and like I said, I'm a Christian. I don't have to worry about this stuff. This is all for the, this is all for. The... <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, the, the problem with that is I, I don't find it in the new Testament anywhere. So, uh, but let me throw one more curveball at you in Ezekiel 38, 22. And it says, I will plead against him with pestilence, with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon many people that are with him an overflowing rain. Okay, so where do we where do we hear about that rain? What other place in the scripture do we hear about that rain? And uh, and I'll point to Matthew chapter seven. Okay, and it says, uh, therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these words of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And when the rain descended and the flood came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. He adds that. And great was the fall of it. So here you have two different houses. One is the harlot. One is the true church of Christ. The true church of Christ is built on the words of Christ. Yeah. And then the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So if you, the, the big, the big problem I have with dispensationalism after coming out of it for, for a couple of years now is it changes the words of Christ and it changes the, what, what I'm telling you on my whiteboard is drastically different than what I was taught. Israel yeah. of God is all those in Christ, not, not rock God's Israel. All my notes I have is is, is it's kind of like it's like the Mandela effect. You're taught a certain way, a certain way, a certain way, and then you, it gets the whole meaning of it gets lost throughout time because I'm learning. I'm just learning about this Mandela effect because it's weird because you could read scripture and and someone's taught you a certain way about scripture and and I would agree with you, Dave, on this, but it doesn't mean what it says. And but you're taught so many times about it. You go over it and you just read through it and just like, okay, that's what it means because that's what my I was taught already. And, and sometimes you can't do that. And like you said, the Bible isn't in chronological order. None of it is. So sometimes you got to go back and say like, this this was a period of time that might have been before this verse. And, and, and you have to do that too. You have to go through your history. So I'll, I'll leave you with this then. Dispensationalism denies that the blood of Christ confirmed the everlasting covenant in Daniel 9.27 even though Daniel 70 weeks is all about the gospel and the coming Messiah. It says that it's about an antichrist and the peace treaty. So it's denying the blood of Christ, confirming the everlasting covenant. Then when you move to the new Testament, dispensationalism says Davidic covenants not fulfilled. Christ is not ruling on the throne of David. When Peter and Paul specifically say the most common quoted old Testament scripture by the new Testament authors is Psalm 110, verse 1 and 2. Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put all enemies under thy footstool, right? The rod right. of thy strength will go out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies, wheat and tares, right? Mm -hmm. And that Psalm 110 is the most frequently quoted scripture from the Old Testament by the New Testament authors. Like they wanted to tell you, Jesus is on the throne. All power in heaven and earth is given to him. So 
dispensationalism says, no, it's not. So it does two things. It makes a fake seven-year tribute. Dispensationalism is the greatest deception of the 20th century on the modern church so that we're looking at modern-day Israel as Armageddon when it's, like you guys were saying earlier a couple minutes ago, it is a spiritual battle against those who have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So dispensationalism is a massive deception, and it's, it's time to study that, guys, and, and, and try to break out of that. But any system that denies Jesus Christ's blood confirming the covenant and then saying he doesn't sit on the throne, if that's the foundation that that system is built on, it's built on sand, and the storm is coming. And there are people saying, we're not in a tribulation, so I can go take the generic genetic therapy. I can go do you know whatever I want. So, yeah. you know, so very dangerous. Interesting. All right. Well, guys, uh, we had a, I think this is an awesome show. Um, well, I, what I would suggest to the audience is definitely uh, watch the other episode that we had with Dave Gardner. That way, when you go into this one, you're going to be able to be like, all right, wow, this is, this is interesting stuff. Um, study uh, Revelation, study Ezekiel. Um, and, and kind of, this is a different take. I, I honestly haven't heard this take before. So, cause I'm a dispensationalist myself and, and, and I just been taught, you know, a different way. So I appreciate you coming on Dave and, and giving us, uh, some very interesting stuff. All the scripture we quoted, uh, is, is all on the board. Hopefully you guys could see it. Um, I would try to maybe have a link to it or something. If I can on YouTube, I'll, I'll do my best. If not, you can, you can see it on the board. There's a bunch of different verses that you guys can go through, but, um, Dave, anything else you have for the audience before we close? Um, I, I would just tell people have an open mind. I mean, we're, we're all here because we love the Lord Jesus Christ and he's our savior. We don't have a disagreement on that, nope. but I do think that, uh, the, the, you know, we're, we're told to be aware of false doctrines and the devil's devices. So yeah. you guys are pretty diligent at that. I appreciate your channel for trying to uncover a lot of that stuff. So this is just another take of it, but from the scripture standpoint and the deception on, you know, specifically the church, not, not just the general public and trying to cover up and hide the creator through heliocentrism. So, <laughs> yes. All right. And Jason, anything else before we close, bro? Like I said, it's, it's, uh, as long as you, as long as you believe, uh, and have faith that Jesus Christ died for your sins and, and is, if you repent and if you, you know, you, you just gotta, you gotta, you got to pray about it, get the Holy spirit in you first and then, and then go and, uh, and then go try to save some souls, you know, saving souls is, 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 is a very, a very good thing. And, and spiritually it's, 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 it, it, it's, it, God loves it. So that, that's all I got to say is that as long as we're bringing you closer to God, I'm yeah. all for it. If we're bringing your word, you know, if we push you away, then you know, I apologize. You know, this is a lot of information. If you can't get it the first time, like, like I said, go through it, listen to this, listen to Dave and go through his, 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 uh, his scripture is his, his, his spots in the Bible where he, you know, tries to prove his point and there you go. And then it'll make you a better, it'll make you better for it. Read the Bible guys, get to know the Lord. Okay. That way you guys could, uh, when you do share the word or, or you do share Jesus, you have a better understanding of how to do it. So all right, we're going to end this in prayer. Uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we appreciate you, um, you know, connecting us with Dave, uh, having another uh, great show. And thank you for the connection, Lord. I know there was a little bit of uh, a, a connection almost lost there. We appreciate you keeping us uh, 
uh, the good connection. Uh, we pray for anybody out there that needs help right now. I know there's, you know, mandates going on on people. There's different uh, rules being set and, and they're trying to, um, they're trying to constrict us right now, Lord, please uh, open it up for us. And, uh, and anybody out there that's sick right now, or anybody that's having any issues or temptations, please break the chains. Please heal anybody that needs healing right now, Lord. There's a lot of people out there that are sick. Uh, I have a friend uh, also I want to pray for. Um, his his uh, grandma just passed away, Lord. Uh, the hospitals put her put her on a ventilator when they shouldn't have. So please, Lord, help help these people that are just greedy, disgusting people uh, just trying to get money. Help them make the right decisions, Lord. We love you. Thank you for everything, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Dave, for coming on. We really appreciate you, uh, you know, just going through all these Bible verses and having an outline and, and, and studying and everything. We thank you. Hey, welcome. My pleasure. All right. God bless everybody that's listening. Thank you.